Welcome listeners and welcome to this week's episode of Her Healing Hour, a source of holistic health encompassing mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health. I'm a licensed holistic lifestyle coach with the Czech Institute and a certified yoga teacher with over 800 hours of teacher training. Didn't she, meaning didn't I, do it? I sure did. (laughs) And I've even got a whole university degree in economics from a prestigious uni in Canada, if you care. (laughs) I go by Lisa, also known as the Alkali Yogi. Today we're going to take a deep look at the Fab Four, or the dubious four, (laughs) a combo found in almost every facet of our lives and the consequences of the presence in our lives. In last week's episode titled, Growing Up and Exercising Your Free Will to Make Optimal Decisions, I introduce this concept of how we've become radio receivers, how we are so susceptible to outside forces that are tuning us, and that we are going to be in serious trouble if we don't learn how to eliminate or remove or even reduce these compounds from our body, if not from the overall environment. Because you see, until we have effectively detoxified ourselves from these aggregates, we will struggle to utilize our God-given free will, arguably what differentiates us from everyone else on this beautiful planet. You see, free will empowers us to make decisions. Growing up and learning to investigate matters for ourselves is what is required for us to evolve, allowing ourselves to be swayed in either to either end of the spectrum without first informing ourselves of both opposing sides makes us very susceptible to brainwashing and propaganda. And that is the essence of devolving. So I expect this concept may have gotten lost in a few of you because I did not properly introduce this idea to this podcast before. So forgive me. Allow me now to explain how it is that we have been converted into transmitters, radio receivers, possibly so that a small group, perhaps the elite, could take advantage of us. But I'll leave that to you for de- to decide at the end once you've listened to the evidence that I've prevent- presented at hand. This is quite a topic to take on, so it will become a two-part podcast. And my hope is that you will take it upon yourself to check the facts for yourself so that you can come to a conclusion based on your own knowledge, education, and most importantly, intuition. Take the time in between the episodes to survey the presence of these compounds, if you will, in your life and make a decision as to whether or not they're beneficial to you. So what are these compounds or these The Fab Four, the combo, if you will. They are glyphosate, fluoride, aluminum, and 5G. Now, before I go further, I want you to know what inspired this podcast. It was a video that I came across where Dr. Dietrich Klinghart explained how these four aggregates together may have made us tools, if you will, weapons to be used or objects to be manipulated. And since I cannot do it justice, 
I would like to play for you this interview by Dr. Klinghart. If you would like to find this interview yourself, you can locate it on YouTube by just typing Dr. Dietrich Klinghart. His last name is spelled K-L-I-N-G-H-A-R-D-T. And the um, title of this video is called What's Really Going On? Dr. Dietrich Klinghart. A woman by Marzia Nayarani, Nayarani has posted it, but you should be able to find it by just dropping it into the search uh, option on your YouTube page. So without further ado, here is Dr. Klinghart in his words explaining what the downside is to these four compounds being available and in and around our lives in abundance every day. What do you think is what do you think is really happening in this world? Like, you know, most conventional people are under the impression that it's if you have depression or anxiety or some sort of illness, it's either, you know, you caught a bacteria or you have neurotransmitter imbalance. What what do you feel if you have to take a big step back and see it all? Do you think it's a matter of light versus dark? What, what, what's the, the biggest scope you can say that's happening on the world? Well, uh, of course, you know, that's, um, I, I could give many answers uh, uh, to that, but I think um, light versus dark um, is the shortest way of expressing it. You know, I, I in, in different lectures that I give, you know, so I make it very clear, we don't have to go into the details. In uh, Rudolf Steiner, you know, the, the Austrian uh, mystic, it was very active in the early part of the last century, the, the founder of Waldorf schools and biodynamic farming and, and a, a completely new kind of alternative medicine. He um, predicted, you know, that uh, towards the end of last century, in the beginning of the century, there will be a movement driven by big corporations to take the soul away from people, to disconnect people from the higher world. And in order to do that, we have to um, destroy the pineal gland in people. And I followed the research on that, and amazingly what we found, uh, the pineal gland is the most sensitive part of our central nervous system and is highly, highly, highly sensitive to four things. Aluminum, glyphosate, fluoride, and Wi-Fi. And we are the only country in the world that has pushed these four things in the last 60 years or so on everybody growing up here. And so what I feel, what I observe, and what we're also testing on our ART system is that people have calci severely calcified uh, pineal glands. And uh, I, I show the anatomy in some of my courses, you know, it's very clear that the pineal gland is a receiver for higher fields of energy and translates them into thought and into actually controlling our the immune system, our endocrine system, and, and so on and so forth. There's all science, you know, but very few people pay attention to science anymore, especially since Donald Trump <laughs> and his disregard for science. Um, we, it's become the new norm. And so um, it, it is astounding that the telecommunications industry has selected the frequencies out of the huge spectrum of frequencies 
that are absolutely destructive to ourselves and especially to the pineal gland. You know, you couldn't have made any better choices than 2.4 gigahertz. Um, that the end point that when you have inhaled aluminum, as we do from the geoengineering program, and uh, have glyphosate in the food chain, that glyphosate and aluminum combine in the blood and in the in the gut and in the bloodstream to form six different uh, chemical compounds uh, where aluminum and glyphosate are hooked up together. And the end point of that compound is the pineal gland published, you know, that's not my idea. And uh, what is needed for this compound to actually enter the brain is to open up the blood-brain barrier. And the current frequencies in the Wi-Fi world are exactly doing that to open the blood-brain barrier. So toxins that used to stay in the bloodstream and in the body below the neck are now entering the brain very freely. That, that applies to all toxins. Um, and so it's a new time in that way. You know? And so, and um, when you think this through, um, you come to the conclusion that either there must, be, there must have been an ultra-intelligence group of scientists who have designed this protocol to fluoridate the drinking water, to put nanonized aluminum in the air, to put glyphosate in the food, and then activate it, spark it with the right frequencies. It almost... I could... It took me 20 years to figure out the perfect storm that is created there. And it's either a coincidence, which is possible, that enough dumb people made the wrong choices, you know, along the years. I'm still hoping that that may be at least part, partially true. Or it's orchestrated by a very, very intelligent group of destructive minds. Or what I also believe is very possible, that there's some higher fields of consciousness that can be both tuned into the light and to life affirmative action and can be absolutely destructive, like phenomena like Adolf Hitler and others, people that come under the influence of something absolutely dark and destructive. And I do believe it's very possible that enough scientists and politicians have come under the influence of those higher fields and are acting according to it, actually not knowing on a human level why they're doing what they're doing. and what they're doing you know that they now we you know we, a good example is 5g you know sort of um to put it on posts you know along the streets okay that's one issue but putting it on satellite and actually the government approving to put it on satellite i mean blasting the whole planet with the frequency that has never been check for safety for its influence on the insects on the songbirds on the has never been checked for anything and to approve that is unconceivable to like somebody who's still got a little bit of a brain left and uh, that uh, politicians in the white house and other countries are conspiring with that um, can only be explained that their brains have come under the influence of some larger higher field uh, they cannot be human in nature, you know, because the, the human nature is always life affirmative and loving and wanting to wanting to live and make the biosphere more friendly to life. And so, so there's some scary thoughts about that, you know, but I'm still hoping, I'm still putting my weight on, let's hope 
it's just a coincidence and enough dumb people made enough dumb decisions and and um, if enough of us wake up and point it out to them that there can be a reversal you know the wi-fi can be switched off in a second <laughs> we'd be done with that and you know glyphosate could be forbidden you know tomorrow it's in a water table for many years but there could be an end uh, to it you know the chemtrail program could be stopped like that you know so the the good thing is that um solutions positive solutions that are suppressed right now that are everywhere could be the norm of tomorrow within 24 hours we could turn the planet from um, a creature that is threatened on all levels to paradise you know virtually within 24 hours you know we're still close enough to that And that concludes the end of that clip. I would invite you to replay that over and over and over again because there was quite a lot of information there. Um, and it's also quite a lot to take on and marinate on. I know I've had to listen to that particular clip repeatedly and really sit with it um, and meditate on the impact of that message. So. Today we're going to cover glyphosate and fluoride so that we can understand what these chemicals are, what these compounds are with a bit more clarity. And again, hopefully that will empower you to make a decision into how you would like to remove or reduce these compounds from your day-to-day -day life given what you now know about their effect on our third eye, also known as the pineal gland. So with no further ado, let's begin with glyphosate. <laughs> so according to Wikipedia, glyphosate, it's a broad spectrum systematic herbicide and crop dissecant. Dissecant. <laughs> it is an organophosphorus compound, specifically a phosphonate, which acts by inhibiting the plant enzyme 5 elnopyrovilshukimate 3-phosphate synthesis. If that didn't make sense to you, it's because it's a huge scientific term, word with 25 syllables, and I too am not a scientist. <laughs> Continuing on, it is used to kill weeds especially annual broadleaf weeds and grasses that compete with crops. It was discovered to be an herbicide by Monsanto chemist John E. Franz in 1970. Monsanto brought it to market for agriculture use in 1974 under the trade name Roundup. Monsanto's last commercially relevant United States patent expired in 2000. So glyphosate is absorbed through foliage and minimally through roots, and it's transported to growing points. It inhibits a plant enzyme involved in the synthesis of three aromatic amino acids, tyrosine, tryptophan, and phenylalanine. It is therefore active only on actively growing plants, and it is not effective as a pre-emergence herbicide. An increasing number of crops have been genetically engineered to be tolerant of glyphosate, 
For example, Roundup's Ready Soybean. And the first Roundup Ready crop, also created by Monsanto, which allows farmers to use glyphosate as a post-emergence herbicide against weeds. Now, if we can take a quick pause there, if at this point you don't have chills uh, running up and down your spine, I urge you to take your pulse. Because what we're hearing here is that everything has been genetically engineered and modified by human beings to replace what Mother Earth has what Mother Earth has provided, which is real food, food that the body can use for nutrition and for healing. And if you recall in the interview that we just heard, in the clip that we just heard, Dr. Klinghart refers to Rudolf Steiner, who is a big um, advocate for biodynamic farming. If you're familiar with um, biodynamic farming, then you are... um, aware that the best way to grow food in actuality is to let food grow naturally without manipulation, without interference. Things are not meant to be perfectly groomed, perfectly in line. And in fact, the weeds are oftentimes the soil report card. I'll say that again. The weeds that grow on the soil are your soil's report card. Everything has a place. Don't think for a second that God or Mother Nature or Allah, whatever you call her, the one source, created things that were not necessary for the full circle of life to take place. When we get involved and we cut and we manipulate and we alter, we are not doing ourselves a service, nor are we doing a service to the planet. Hence why we are the sickest that we've ever been. Now, continuing on with glyphosate. (laughs) I looked up on a website called US Right to Know, or RTK. Again, that's US Right to Know. In an article named Glyphosate Fact Sheet, Cancer and Other Health Concerns. This was recently published in October 1st of 2020, if you'd like to look it up yourself. And I wanted to just round up, (laughs) no pun intended, a few of the um, highlights of how disruptive glyphosate is to us, the human being, okay? Putting all corporate interests aside, this is how glyphosate is impacting human beings today. And believe me, they had a full A to Z list but I've chosen to condense that because if you'd like to know more, you could always look up the article yourself. I'll also drop it into the show notes today. Before we talk about how it's impactful to us, let's talk about the impact it has on bees and monarch butterflies. By the way, if you haven't heard, newsflash, we are in dire need of more bees on the planet. We have done ourselves a huge disservice and glyphosate seems to be at the forefront of this travesty that we have created for ourselves. So going on, a 2018 study reported that glyphosate damaged the beneficial gut bacteria in honeybees and made them more prone to deadly infections. This followed research from China showing that the honeybee larva grew more slowly and died more often when exposed to glyphosate. And a 2015 study that found Field levels of exposure impaired the cognitive capacities of honeybees. Research from a 2017 correlated glyphosate use with reduced populations of monarch butterflies. 
possibly due to reductions in milkweed, the main source for monarch butterflies. Now you might be thinking to yourself, well, what's the big deal? Everything again has a purpose. Three quarters of the world's insects are now extinct. This is in essence, the planet's lungs. Everything has a surface or <laughs> surface, a purpose. Allowing man to manipulate that narrative and tell you otherwise is putting man's thoughts, which by the way, thoughts are nothing more than an expression of the ego above and before mother nature's perfection and wisdom. Hence why we are in the situation that we're in. Let's get into the cancer lawsuits. This is kind of the meat and potatoes of the issue with glyphosate. So cancer lawsuits, it goes to say, more than 42,000 people have filed suit against Monsanto Company, now Bayer, alleging that exposure to Roundup herbicide caused them or their loved ones to develop non-Hodgkin lymphoma, and that Monsanto covered up the risks. As part of the discovery process, Monsanto had to turn over millions of pages of internal records. For news and tips about ongoing legislation, by the way, you could go to see um, Carrie Gilliam's Roundup Trial Tracker, although I do believe that this has been settled now, unless there's, there are more trials and or more lawsuits going on. I'll refer to this point a little bit later on. Um, the first three trials ended up in large uh, upwards awards rather to plaintiffs for liability and damages, with juries ruling that Monsanto's weed killer was a substantial contributing factor in causing them to develop non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Bayer is appealing the rulings. Let's pause here for a second. This product is still very much available for sale everywhere. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, it is very dangerous to put our leaders, our politicians, our um, celebrities on a pedestal. No one here is above making human error. No one here is above um, falling victim to um, money, lobbying, per and other perks, etc. And the reason why I bring that up is because if Monsanto has already been, um, is if, if this product Roundup has already been linked definitively to having caused non-Hodgkin lymphoma and deaths in the thousands, why then is this product still available on the market today? My guess would be because we have allowed companies like Monsanto in our capitalist uh, society to become more powerful than even the people that we actively elect into office, which makes you wonder whether or not we have politicians working for us or if we are at the whim of big corporations like Monsanto. Back to this article. Monsanto influence in research, it says. In March 2017, the federal judge unsealed some internal Monsanto documents that raised new questions about Monsanto's influence on the EPA process and about the research regulators uh, rely on. The documents suggest that Monsanto's long-standing claims about the safety of glyphosate and Roundup do not necessarily rely on sound science as the company asserts, but on efforts to manipulate the science. So having heard that, ladies and gentlemen, does that make you wonder about what could possibly be happening 
Oh, and by the way, EPA, which was mentioned earlier, stands for Environmental Protection Agency. Sorry, I just needed to bring that in. So Monsanto's influence on the EPA process, the Environmental Protection Agency, is what it stands for. Does that make you question, given that you have your free will, whether or not something similar could or might be happening now when Big Pharma is, for example, equally powerful or maybe more? during this quote-unquote pandemic that we're experiencing and whether their science too might ha- might have been manipulated because Monsanto has the same reason to manipulate their science that Big Pharma would. They want to still be on the market because they're able to make a huge profit. They don't want to see their money machine dry up. And who would? Humans, after all, are going to human. But that doesn't mean that we turn a blind eye. It means we should question everything that's presented to us and look for both sides of the agreement. And that is really the point that I'm trying to drive home. It's not about whether or not you agree with me. The point is, are you able to exercise your free will enough to actually do the research and make an informed decision and reach and arrive at an informed conclusion on your own? Anything other than that, I'm afraid, is brainwashing. And like I've already said to you, that is not evolving. On the contrary, it is devolving. So then I moved on to ecowatch.com and I came across this brief history and insight into the harmful effects of glyphosate in an article titled The 15th Health Problems Linked to Monsanto Roundup. Aha, this is the article where I find the A to Z of all the problems um, that have been related to Roundup. Uh, but first, a little bit more about Monsanto. So Monsanto invaded the herbicide, invented the herbicide glyphosate and brought it to the market under the trade name Roundup in 1974 after DDT was banned. This part we already knew. But it wasn't until the late 1990s that the use of Roundup surged. Thanks to Monsanto's ingenious marketing strategy. What was that strategy, you ask? Genetically engineer seeds to grow food crops that could tolerate high doses of Roundup. With the introduction of these new genetically engineered seed, farmers could now easily control weeds on their corn, soy, cotton, canola, sugar beets, and alfalfa crops. Crops that thrived while the weeds around them were wiped out by Roundup. In the nearly 20 years of intensifying exposure, scientists have been documenting the health consequences of Roundup and glyphosate in our food, in the water that we drink, and in the air we breathe and where our children play. Eager to sell more of its flagship herbicide, Monsanto also encouraged farmers to use Roundup as a desiccant to dry out all of their crops so that they could harvest them faster. So Roundup is now routinely sprayed directly on a host of non-GMO GMO crops, including wheat, barley, oats, canola, flax, peas, lentils, soybeans, dry beans, and sugar cane. Between 1996 and 2011, the widespread use of Roundup Ready GMO crops increased herbicide use in the U.S. by 527 million pounds. That's a lot of profit for Monsanto. Even though Monsanto claimed its GMO crops would reduce pesticide and herbicide use. Shocking that they would tell us one thing and then do something else. 
or rather than the result would be something else. That's never happened before, <laughs> but I've digressed. Monsanto has falsified data on Roundup's safety and marketed it to park, de- uh, park departments, parks departments and consumers as environmentally friendly and biodegradable to encourage its use on its on roadsides, on playgrounds, golf courses, schoolyards, lawns, and home gardens. A French court ruled that those marketing claims amounted to false advertising. Again, is anyone here shocked? This is what happens when capitalism is run uh, amok by corruption and greed, insatiable greed at that. In the nearly 20 years of intensifying exposure, scientists have been documenting the health consequences of Roundup and glyphosate in our food, in the water we drink, etc., etc. And they found that people who have who are sick rather have higher levels of glyphosate in their bodies than healthy people. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, this product is is still sold and is still available virtually everywhere, which begs the question, who exactly is here to protect us? Clearly not the big corporations. And what exactly are the governments doing? I would say not a goddamn thing. Excuse my French. Continuing on. They found that the following health problems, which they attribute to exposure to Roundup and glyphosate, are the following. This is where the full comprehensive list literally A to Z. But I'm only going to grab a few of these just to give you the gist of how glyphosate is impacting everyone on some level. And believe me, I do mean everyone. So glyphosate has been linked to, not surprisingly, ADHD. In farming communities, there is a strong correlation between Roundup exposure and attention deficit disorder, ADHD, likely due to glyphosate's capacity to disrupt thyroid hormone functions. Autism. Glyphosate has a number of known biological effects that align with the known pathologies associated with autism. One of these parallels is the gut dysbiosis observed in autistic children and the toxicity of glyphosate to beneficial bacteria that suppress pathogenic bacteria along with pathogenic bacteria's high resistance to glyphosate. In addition, glyphosate's capacity to promote aluminum accumulation in the brain may also make it the principal cause of autism in the U.S. And you may not want to hear this, ladies and gentlemen, but aluminum is also highly present and is a base ingredient in vaccines. Do with that as you may. Breast cancer. Glyphosate induces human breast cancer cell growth via estrogen receptors. The only long-term animal study of glyphosate exposure produced rats with mammatory tumors and shortened lifespan. Cancer. House-to-house surveys of 65,000 people in farming communities in Argentina, where Roundup is used, known there as the fumigated towns, found cancer rates two to four times higher than the national average, with increases in breast cancer, prostate cancer, and lung cancers. In a comparison of two villages, one in where Roundup was sprayed, 31% of residents had a family member with cancer, whilst only 3% of residents in a ranching village without spraying had one. The high cancer rates amongst people exposed to Roundup like stem, likely, uh, likely stem from glyphosate's known capacity to induce DNA damage, which has been demonstrated in numerous lab tests. Do you know what else causes DNA damage? EMFs, electromagnetic frequencies, <laughs> the 5G, but we'll get to that next week. Multiple sclerosis, 
non-Hodgkin lymphoma, which have already been mentioned. In fact, I'm not going to go any further, but I will say this. If you listen to episode eight of my podcast titled, What's in Your Home is in your body, you'll recall that I actually covered this ruling made in June of 2020 against Roundup, where the ruling was published in the New York Times article titled Roundup Maker to Pay $10 billion to Settle Cancer Suits. And yet, they're still able to commerce and to vend. Seems kind of dubious, no? This is why you should question everything and maybe perhaps Not to sound dramatic now, but trust no one. All right, let's get into fluoride. So fluoride, for all intents and purposes, is a compound of fluorine with another element uh, or radical. Uh, Another way to um, define fluoride, and I found this one on um, truthaboutfluoride.com, which is a very interesting website. Um, So what is fluoride? To understand fluoride, we first have to talk about fluorine. Fluorine is an element, the most electronegative element on the periodic table, which makes it extremely reactive. This means it loves electrons and like all elements, it wants to become stable. To do so, it has to pick one more electron. In the process of picking up one more electron, it becomes a negative ion. In other words, it becomes fluoride. Now, when the fluoride, when the fluorine, the element becomes fluoride, the ion, it becomes a compound in the process. It's these compounds that we find added to our water and toothpaste, like fluorosilicic acid and sodium fluoride. The reason why the subject of fluoride has, um, has to be started like this is because most websites, organizations, and public figures paint the picture of fluoride in a very misleading manner. They say it's naturally occurring substance that's very abundant on Earth. In fact, this website is right because I went to WebMD and Wikipedia and they also said the same thing, that it's a naturally occurring um, substance. So again, <laughs> we must be um, discerning in where we get our information. Um, adding to that that it's found in soil, water, rocks, air, plants, and animals. By painting fluoride as natural, it makes many people believe that it's good for them. And isn't that what's happened, ladies and gentlemen? Um, So let's talk about the effect of fluorides on the pineal gland. Now, again, um, I should say, because I don't think that the Dr. Klinghart's interviewed, rather, I don't believe that Dr. Klinghart covered this, but the pineal gland is actually the space between your brows. So it's also considered to be the third eye. Um, I'm mentioning this now in hopes that most people knew where it was when it was mentioned in the interview. Um, Forgive me for not mentioning it earlier. Uh, Again, the pineal gland is the space between the brows, also known as the um, third eye for the yoginis that are listening. So through the pineal gland's unique features, and fluoride's toxic and reactive nature, the fluoride pineal gland relationship was bound to fail from the start, making the pineal glands fluoride number fluoride's number one victim. But don't worry, after explaining the details at the end, we'll go into the different ways you can protect your pineal gland from fluoride, and I will provide those for you. The pineal gland is a tiny pine cone shaped gland located in between the two hemispheres of the brain and outside the blood brain barrier. The main function of the pineal gland is to synthesize and secrete the hormone melatonin. Melatonin is then used to perform the three main roles. 
maintain their circadian rhythm, the sleep-wake cycle, regulate the onset of puberty in females, and help protect the body from cell damage caused by free radicals. When the pineal gland is not producing melatonin or not enough of it, the body can then not perform these vital roles. When these vital roles are not performed, this leads to a cascading domino-like effect in the body, which makes sense. If you're not able to sleep, you're not digesting, you're not um, processing, you're not decompressing. Never mind if you're not... Um, if your hormones are out of whack, if you're not able to protect your body from the damage of free radicals, it's obvious to see the importance of the pineal gland in our survival and not only in the um, quantity of our life, but in the quality of our life. Let's talk about the calcification of the pineal gland. It was only in the mid, it was only until the 1990s that the British scientist Jennifer Luke discovered that fluoride accumulates to strikingly high levels in the pineal gland, more in the pineal gland than any other soft tissue in the body. The accumulation of fluoride forms phosphate crystals creating a thick shell around the pineal gland called calcification. Once the pineal gland is calcified, it causes it to become underactive or inactive resulting in less melatonin production. And do you know anyone who's struggling with sleep, listeners? Because that is what the melatonin production is there for. So why does the fluoride accumulate in the pineal gland? The pineal gland has several char characteristics unique to itself that attracts the accumulation of fluoride. Since uh, the main reasons for fluoride accumulating in the pineal gland are the large amount of blood flow, because it's located outside of the blood-brain barrier, and it has high calcium concentrations. Since the pineal gland cells require direct and unimpeded contact with blood to perform its functions, hence why it finds itself outside of the blood-brain barrier, directly exposing the pineal gland to fluoride circulating in your blood. This leaves the pineal gland vulnerable and without any protection. And to make it worse, the pineal gland holds the second richest capillary network right after the kidney resulting in a lot of contact with blood through the tremendous amount of blood flow delivered by the connecting capillaries. Lastly, it does not help that the highest calcium concentration of any normal tissue in the body, or sorry, rather, lastly, it does not help that the pineal gland holds the highest calcium concentration of any normal tissue in the body. As explained, what is fluoride? In what is fluoride, and we've already identified it, fluoride's negatively charged and reactive nature means that it loves to react with positively charged ions in the body. And guess what its favorite, um, guess what is its favorite to react with? Calcium. <laughs> Making fluoride the best suited substance to damage the pineal gland. Based on this and other evidence, the National Research Council stated in 2006 that fluoride is likely to cause decreased melatonin production and to have other effects on the normal pineal function, which in turn could contribute to a variety of effects in humans. So, what are the health effects of pineal glands um, calcification? The sleep-wake cycle. I kind of already alluded to that, right? If you're not able to produce melatonin, how are you able to get to sleep? Early puberty. Why is this an issue? Well, because in the United States and in Canada, children are reaching the age of puberty at earlier ages, earlier in fact than ever before, a trend that carries with it serious health consequences. As evidence suggests, fluoride exposes leads, 
fluoride exposure leads to reduced melatonin levels and shortened time to puberty. It also creates a heightened risk for breast cancer. The way early puberty is linked with breast cancer, with breast cancer is by being an established risk factor for breast cancer, influencing a woman's lifetime estrogen exposure. What else? Increased oxidative stress. This is typically observed in the subject's brain with three distinct characteristics. Fluoride exposure decreased the level of antioxidant enzymes in the brain. Fluoride exposure increases the level of lipid uh, peroxidation in the brain. Peroxidation in the brain. These effects were reduced, these toxic effects were reduced by simultaneous treatment with antioxidant vitamins C and E. So now it's probable that the increased oxidative stress observed in fluoride-related subjects is related to the fluoride's effect on the pineal gland. In fact, it's even likely, as we know, of melatonin's many functions. One of its most important functions is the role it plays as a powerful antioxidant, aka it wards off and reduces oxidative stress. I mean, is this not the perfect storm, guys? It also impacts Alzheimer's. The link between damaged pineal gland and Alzheimer's is very clear. Alzheimer's is a neurodegenerative disease which has the development of it's accompanied by its changes in lifestyle factors such as sleep disturbance. Hmm. And we could go on and on and on. So as you can see, it really has become a bit of the perfect storm, if you will. It's a very scary reality that we're living in. However, there's always hope. There's always the hope that, as Dr. Klinghardt stated, people will wake up to this and perhaps we can apply enough pressure to get our governments and our regulatory bodies that are here and elected to protect us to actually do their work. Or perhaps there will be a um, shift in the collective consciousness of the, um, the wealthy, the elite, to the big corporations to make them make a different choice or to encourage them rather to make a different choice. Uh, it's important that we also stay hopeful. I don't think that it does us any good to get positive or sorry, to get down and out about this. And also remember that you have more power than you think. You could also actively detoxify yourself. There is such a thing known as the, the fluoride detox. So we already kind of understand why we want to detoxify. Let's talk about a couple of ways that you can actually detoxify. Number one, you could drink fluoride-free water. How's that for an option? <laughs> Number two, you could use fluoride-free toothpaste. That should be easy enough. You could even make your own. Number three, drink fluoride tea and fluoride-free tea and coffee. Number four, avoid using Teflon-coated cookware. You know, the nonstick stuff, because that stuff leaks and goes right into the food. Number five, try to avoid medication containing fluoride. Number six, the fluoride detox diet. So what is that? That's foods high in antioxidants, like pomegranates, vegetables, even bone broth. Include spices like curcumin, tamarind, and cayenne. Use herbs and leafy greens like parsley, cilantro, spinach, and stick to whole foods and possible organic, when possible, and organic, 
This will help you to avoid pesticides, insecticides, and food additives that, are common, that commonly will contain fluoride. If you'd like to um, know more about this detox again, I refer you to truthaboutfluoride.com. Under fluoride detox, you'll find this article in more detail. So I think I've chatted your ear off, yeah, for the night. <laughs> I've given you a lot to think about. And since we're not meeting again for a week's time, I hope that you'll do your own part and your due diligence to find out what's true to you and what you need to do, if anything, in order to protect you and your loved ones. Because I have a feeling that it's going to be every man for himself out here. But hey, we can always stay upbeat and positive. We have more power than we think. Until next week, guys, I love you all. You know where to find me. Signing off. Bye.